right, welcome to Tea Time with Melissa. Thank you so much for being here. We have a dynamic conversation going on today with Pastor Gwinnett Watson. She is the lead pastor from Faith Missionary Ministry. And I'm so excited to have her join us today and, and talk, talk to us about her book and her journey. And I know you're gonna be excited about what you hear today. So peace, join us. Here we go, Tea Time with Melissa. Hey, Pastor Gwinnett Watson, how are you? I am well, and how are you? I am doing fine. Thank you so much for giving me this time to talk about your journey and your book here that I am holding, Until Death Do Us Part. So thank you so much for allowing me this time. Amen. I'm honored. Amen. Wonderful. So as I said um, at the top, that Pastor Gwinnett um, Watson is the lead pastor of Faith Missionary Ministry. Pastor Watson, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, well, as she stated, I'm Pastor Watson um, of the New Faith Mission Church in Griffin, Georgia. Um, I am the mother of three and I am um, a widow. Um, been a widow for over two years and pretty much now I'm just pastoring New Faith over in Griffin, Georgia. And um, I guess I'll give the rest about my story when I we get into a little bit more depth. Yes, that'll be fun. <laughs> we don't want to give them everything. We are absolutely <laughs> want them to reach out and purchase this book because as I was reading it, it definitely is um, a tool for encouragement, um, faith, commitment, um, all those things, love, um, all of those things I pulled out of um, your story here. And I'm so um, glad to be able to um, take a part of this and then kind of dive into it with you and talk a little bit about whatever you want to share about your journey. Um, you did mention that you were a widow and that has a lot to play with um, to go into why you are now the lead pastor of where you are. And so, yes, we will, we will definitely get into that. So let's just start with the very first question you asked in your book. And um, we'll dive, we'll start there because many who have lost a loved one. Right. Who may be grieving the loss of a loved one. I am sure has asked this question and it is so befitting because you start the book out asking that question, which is great because sometimes right. people feel like, especially I think in the church or Christians feel like they shouldn't ask that question. Mm -hmm. um, but I want you to talk about that a little bit. Um, the question that you asked in, in the introduction is Lord, why me too? Right. Well, um, Melissa, it started, my husband was actually an author of the book, Lord, why me? And oh. yes. And so it, uh, um, it kind of, God gave me revelation after that. Um, I, well, I, I don't know how far we'll get into that, but, mm -hmm. um, it actually started back when he first wrote his book and it, it was Lord, why me? Okay. And so God gave me revelation right mm -hmm. after his, his book. Um, I actually, I'm an author of two books. The first one was, was Lord, why me too? And that revelation came um, from, he asked questions in his book, like, 
pretty much it was while we go through some of the things that we go through in this life and on this journey. And so I just kind of took from that book and, 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 and kind of, you know, not knowing that I was going to be faced with these trials that I was faced with. And that's how the question came about is Lord, why me too? Um, so So pretty much that's where it come from. Yeah. So I was on a totally different, um, (laughs) there. (laughs) That's okay. Awesome. So it stemmed from a book that your husband wrote. Absolutely. Okay. And you said in that, that book was all about why me as far as um, chosen to be in the ministry. Right, right. Pretty much um, ministry, um, pretty much, you know, the call uh, um, into ministry and also just in general life. Like, why do we go through the things that we go through? Why do God choose us to go through the things that we go through? And um, he pretty much breaks down the purpose of your life and, and why we, you know, we are chosen to go through what we do go through in life. Okay. And what prompted him to do a book with that title, Lord, Why Me? Um, at that time, um, Melissa, I think um, Pastor Watson, he had been in ministry over at that time. I think it was pretty much over um, 16, 17 years. Okay. And I think, you know, when you've been in ministry that long, you, you, you're you used to things in ministry, but some things you just never get used to. And I think um, he was, you know, counseling a lot of people, dealing with a lot of people that was asking um, questions or coming to him asking, like, why am I going through this? And I'm a good person. And, and I go through all these trials and tribulations. Why, why am I going through this? And I'm sure a lot of us ask those questions, like, why is God choosing me to go through this? Um, you know, when I, I'm a fairly good person, I'm a good hearted person, I try to do everything right. And so we all do have those questions. And I think that's pretty much where his book stemmed from is because a lot of people was coming to him and he wanted to, you know, pretty much give people an answer through a book. Okay. Okay. That that's awesome. So it- yes. You can find that book, I imagine, on Amazon. Where can you find? Absolutely. Um, yes, if I'm not mistaken, my marketing, um, the guy that does my marketing, I think it is still available on Amazon. Um, we did do a sellout, so I don't know if that edition is still available, but I have to get that information to you. Okay, I'm sure. I'm sorry I asked you that question and you were not probably ready for that. But That's okay. It's Okay. <laughs> But yeah, I would love to just kind of hear from his voice a little bit. Yes. Um, you know, the the meaning behind and the reasoning behind um, that book and how he kind of dives into it. But you are absolutely right. That is a question that any right. of us who are actually any purpose that we feel called to in life. So it right. doesn't necessarily have to be full time ministry. Right. It's just what you are called to. So right. What, experience in and why why have you been called right 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 right. exactly that's awesome so we said we would get into into your book so you continued on um this is sort of like a collaboration (laughs) right say that even though um i don't know when you started writing this book was he still um was he still here with us no, um, actually, and, 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 and as you stated before, it just kind of stemmed from his book. Um, okay. I, and, and, and if, if I may, and you can let me know how far I can go with oh, it, you go ahead. <laughs> but, um, it actually started, um, I, it was after he had transitioned, my book came about after he transitioned, okay. um, 
and you know it it, it was a question i had mm. i had questions um i i would say first of all as a christian you know we're a lot of times you know we're told um that we don't ha- we don't supposed to question god but i had questions mm-hmm. and i needed answers um melissa <laughs> pretty much is lord i was a good woman i was a good wife and i was this and i was that and, and of course you know all of the other and um i asked the lord Lord, why me? Why me too? You know, I've had people that went through, you know, losing spouses and I've had, I've lost loved ones and he had lost loved ones, but it didn't hit home like it hit me with my spouse, with my husband of 28 years. So yes, I had questions. And so um, that's when it all came about. And I was like, you know what? I want to keep his legacy going. And that's how it all began. I, because I had questions. Okay, okay. And so as I um, was reading your book, and it's definitely it's a great read, a fast read. It does not <laughs> that, you know, you have to spend a whole lot of time on, but right. you get through it very quickly. And it has um, some great content in it. Um, you talk a lot about um, where you how you were his partner so basically you were there to encourage him to lift him up as he was going through his pastoral ministry um you were there to just make sure that he had to do as less as possible all he had to do basically and this is what i really got from your story um as you are introducing us to you and your husband right is that all he needed you wanted him to have to do is just hear from god and and preach the word absolutely and so you were there to do all the little stuff you know and then eventually and I want you to talk a little bit about this because you talk a little bit about it in the book eventually you found yourself being more involved right in in the pastoral part of of the ministry so tell us about that and how Um, Oh, I'm sorry. your way there and what you what what kind of was on your mind what did you think about it after seeing what all he was going through as being a pastor leading a group of people in a ministry you know all of the counseling that he did and and one-on-one and the couples and all that all of that seeing all of that <laughs> right and you find uh, yourself <laughs> he's pulling you up to be in more of a leadership role I guess Right, right. Um, I, I think the the uh, um, I think it was more that he was preparing me along the way. Um, you know, a lot of t- I, I can't speak for every first lady. I'm gonna jump into the first lady ladies role real quickly, if I may. Mm-hmm. I think coming from a first lady's role, that's what we are. That's what we know to do is to lift our husbands up and do what we need to do for them to make sure that they're able to do what they do. Mm-hmm. And I felt like, yeah, this is my job. You know, I need to make sure everything else is good so that he can just be free to speak and preach the word of God. And, you know, I think, um, as being, being that woman of God, you know, you, you sometimes already know that this is where I need to be. This is the place I need to be. I don't need to be in front of him. I need to just make, you know, everything good for him to do what he does and do his job. And so that's what I did. I, I, I'm always made sure I was his biggest supporter. Um, I made sure the home, everything on the home front, the children, 
everything was good. So all he had to worry about is ministering, hearing from God and ministering God's word. And um, it was challenging because um, I don't know if any other first ladies out there felt like I felt. Some days it was very challenging, Melissa, because you feel like, um, you know, <laughs> I don't I, I don't want to say this and offend anyone, but it, it sometimes makes you feel like a single parent, um, mm -hmm. especially if you have a husband, as I did, that are often on the road, who's going a lot, traveling and doing things for ministry. You just feel like, OK, it's kind of like a, a single um, um, parent. But um but I knew he was out doing God's will and spreading the gospel. So I, and I will, can I say this? I think it takes a strong woman of God to understand the role of a pastor and mm -hmm. to understand their role when they have to be gone or they're, you know, they're always doing what they have to do for God. So, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, I think I did what I had to do as far as a first lady to make sure everything was good for him. Okay, okay. In the book, um, page seven, you talk about um, being trained and prepared for the present day. And you talk about how you were shy and <laughs> away from the spotlight. <laughs> right. Like you said, your, your, your job in ministry was to simply um, back and support your husband. Right. Tell right. me how someone who is that type of introvert because <laughs> I've heard you preach and you are not shy <laughs> well let me, just say, let me just say that when you get up in that pulpit I'm sure God you will let the anointing and God take over and let him speak through you absolutely well just just tell me how that felt what you what were you feeling you know as you were stepping more and more and more into the limelight into supporting him in a pastoral co-pastors type um um environment tell me how you felt how how did that make you feel <laughs> well um like i said and i did um i expressed <laughs> that in my book that i was a very shy um, person. And, and I think the reason why is because I never, I mean, of course I was a pastor's wife, but I really never had to step up and do a whole lot of speaking in front of people. I didn't have, didn't really have to, because my husband was that one who sang, he, he, he did it all. So mm -hmm. I didn't have to do a lot. <laughs> so he covered all those grounds for me. So it really, not that he didn't never, you know, he um, ever asked me to, but it's just never presented itself. So I was okay. And I was comfort comfortable in that position. Um, and, and as we stated before, you know, it, I, as long as I made sure he was good, then everything was good. But I think going forward, um, what I, I will definitely say it was nobody but God who did a quick work in me. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he did a quick work in me. Okay. Um, yes. But I let me say this. I think coming from um, um, all the 19 years of ministry with my husband, I think it was it was kind of like um, training on the job. Mm -hmm. It was kind of training on the job. Um, mm -hmm. I can remember day one of starting ministry. It was kind of like he was training me from day one. 
I was mostly Melissa, whether people know it or not. Um, <clears throat> everybody is saying, oh, you know, my goodness, she's stepping out. She's so bold. She's doing this. She's doing mm -hmm. that. Well, I was just, I've always been the type of person that worked behind the scenes. I never had to be in the forefront. I never needed the recognition. I just wanted to make sure I was doing God's will. And I was okay behind the scenes. But if the truth be told, and I know for a lot of other first ladies, really, we're the lead work of the right. ministries. Right. Um, I pretty much ran a lot of things in the ministry that people didn't see. So mm -hmm. I had my hands full, if you may say. I had them full anyway. So mm -hmm. I really didn't have a chance. I didn't have the opportunity to really say, let me do a sermon because I had my my <laughs> my hands full with working with, you know, other things, you know, with the right. ministry. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that answered all your question, but <laughs> you did. And you know what? I know exactly where you're coming from because I my parents were pastors oh amen right right yeah I don't know if I told you that and so yes my mom would be behind the scenes doing her <laughs> right yes often and oftentimes you know with kids that means your children you bring them in bring them up you know, right place um, and they do whatever needs to be done to to keep the the work going, the ministry going. So right. I do I do understand that from from that perspective. I'm gonna read um, something in your book, and I want you just to tell me where your heart was when you when you wrote this. Okay. Instead of asking Lord why me, we have to ask ourselves why not me. Except that there is a purpose in it because you can handle it. You were chosen for the assignment, so turn your pain into purpose, which may just be to help someone else through it that are not as strong. Amen. Um, you know, I, I when I when I put that piece in there, I think I had I, I shared with you, I had a lot of questions. I, I was like, I, I took it and I was just the poor little pilgrim. I was like, oh God, it's just me, 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 me. But mm -hmm. uh, Melissa, when I thought about it, I was like, Gwinnett, you're not the only one who has ever lost a spouse. Mm -hmm. You're not the only one who has ever experienced death. Why are you pouting? Get up, wash your face, and let's fight. And mm -hmm. I can remember getting up, literally getting up one morning. My, my let me go back. My son, I, I remember my son at that time when I when I, my husband first transitioned. My all my kids had came back home to stay with me a couple of days, um, and just to kind of console me. And mm -hmm. I remember my son coming from upstairs, and he says, "Mom," he said, "I need you to get up. You can't lay in this bed all day." And I remember getting up and I remember hearing the voice of God saying, get up and fight. You got to fight. And that's what I did. And going back to that piece, um, I could have chose Melissa to do nothing. Mm -hmm. But in the doing nothing, I was going to produce nothing. Right. But I felt like God, he, he allowed me to wake up another day for a purpose. Mm -hmm. And because if he wanted to take me, he would have took me. You know, mm -hmm. he would have already done it or he would have done it when he when he transitioned. But because he gave me another day, I took advantage of it. OK. And so with that being said, I think, you know, at that very moment, I was like, OK, I'm going to take this pain and turn it into some purpose here. And yeah. that's what I did. That's <laughs> what I did. Um, I took it. I, I took the ram by his horn and I, I said, let's go. It, you know, it's time to do something. You know, I could just sit here in sorrow and keep crying, but it's not getting me anywhere. So I decided it's time to do something about it. 
And that's what I did. And that's what you did. So let's, we kind of got a little ahead of of (laughs) story a little bit. Okay. Let's just go back to um, the beginning, I guess I'd, I'd, I'd like to say the beginning of your journey. So Mm -hmm. you're, you're married, your husband, you, you guys met in high school, right? Actually, um, not in high, high school. Oh. I met him right after I graduated from high school. Oh, okay. Okay. Yes, we we I was from he, he we was from two different um um cities. So um yeah, I met him right after I graduated. Okay. Okay. So you guys were still young. Right. Very, right. Um, and at that time, did you know he was going to be a pastor? Did he? I think I let me say this, Melissa. I I I did. I I knew there was a call on his life. Mm-hmm. Um, when I met him, I knew there had to be something different about him. Mm-hmm. Um, he was not your typical young man that um did things that other young men did. Like mm-hmm. our dates, sometimes our dates would end up in church. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so I knew. I remember some- that. <laughs> Yeah. So some of our dates would be church and, and, Mm -hmm. and you know what, it was a new territory for me, but it was okay because it was, um, it was a journey that I was on that I hadn't been on. Of course, I was still young, hadn't dated a lot of uh, uh, young men either, Mm -hmm. but Mm -hmm. I was willing to take a chance because it was something different. Mm -hmm. It was something different. So, and I'm so grateful um, that I chose that path, but yeah, I I would say that, yeah, I I saw, I I saw something different and I did see the call of God on his life. Okay. And so I'm, I'm sure that he felt that call early as well. Absolutely. Um, Okay. Absolutely. Okay. So you, you guys got married. Was he uh, in a pastoral role when you got married or it came, that came after? It came after, as I stated, he was very strong in church. My husband was a singer. So with him being a singer, even as a young boy, I can't remember. I think his grandmother said around the age of eight or nine years old, they would pick him up and take him to different churches and they would sing. It was him and two of his other cousins and they would take them to churches and they would sing. But, um, yeah, so he, I think even then, you know, the call of God was on his life from then, but even... I, I, I'm sorry, I lost my train of thought. But with the pastoralship, no, we was not. Um, he he was not pastoring, but the deaconship came first. So he was already singing in the church. Um, he had formed a a, a a choir in the church, and also he was a deacon in the church. And these were all these things was taking place like before we got married. Okay, <laughs> okay, okay. Right. So- Oh, they, they were going to go somewhere. Absolutely. Yeah, it was escalating. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Very good. Very good. So you got married. He became a pastor. He was already very much involved in the church, became a pastor. And then you stepped into that first lady role, um, uh, pastor's wife role. Right. Uh, when you stepped into that role, tell me how long was it? before you found out that he that something uh health wise may not have been right the, when you guys found that out um okay so well um he had been pastoring over 16 17 let me see about 17 years so everything was good it was okay. great so it was a while i mean we was we was full force in ministry um and everything before we found out about his illness. Um, it wasn't until about um, 2014 
when we found out about his illness. My husband started his ministry in 1999. Okay. So it was a while. We had a good little while before we found out. But it was in um, 2014 um, when we found out about his illness. Okay. 2014. So um, from then on, what, what did that look like for you? What did that look like for the both of you, I guess, because you're there, you're in it together. So right. What did that look like for both of you. Let's just mention what was his what was his illness? Um, his the illness was um, heart disease. OK. And so what did that how did rapidly did things change things change or did it happen slowly or when could you start telling the difference between, you know, how he responded after preaching? How what was the time frame that you noticed things started to get really bad for him? Um, I would say it well when we found out in 2014 and and you can cut me off if I'm going a little bit too much with it but in 2014 my uh, middle daughter was getting ready well she had just graduated from high school and so every year we would send our kids on a vacation for graduation um, and so we was getting ready to go on a cruise and what happened was he was he said that he had he think he thought that he had ate something that night that contributed to the pain in his chest okay that oh, um over in the night so um because we was getting ready to go on a long vacation for a whole week mm-hmm. i didn't feel comfortable you know with him going um that far away without getting checked out mm-hmm. so of course we went to the hospital and we got him checked out and the doctors came back with the report and said mr watson um you know we see that you have an enlarged heart and they said they was going to start with medication. Okay. So to be honest with you, Melissa, I would say at that very moment, like any other person, with, you don't think that it's going to lead to death. Right. Um, you think you're going to get medication, you're going to eat right, you're going you're gonna to do it, you're going to fix it somehow. Right. And mm-hmm. um, so it never, it never entered into my mind that this is going to wind up in death so quickly. So with that being said, we... we um, we, we heard the news, we took it, and as Christians and as women and a woman, a woman of God and a woman of faith, and as, as well as he being a man of faith, mm-hmm. we took that and said, okay, God, we need you to turn this around. We need you to work this out. <clears throat> so we went on our vacation. We enjoyed. Everything was good. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just going to kind of bring you a little bit further. So the next year comes around. He's still preaching. He's still traveling. He's still doing normal routines. Even the first year when he was diagnosed, he was still doing his normal rout- routine. Everything was still the same. Um, nothing really changed. The um, the change that I, I think the real change started is in 2000. 2017 is when I saw a drastic change in his health. Okay. Um, he was still able to preach, still mm-hmm. able to, you know, do certain things, but it just wasn't because we, we coming from this man doing um, four revivals in one month, every week, every week he's gone somewhere. But it, it, it kind of got to the point where the hospital visits was becoming more, um, um, you know, they, they it was more excessive than before is what I saw. And so it was like we were spending like maybe two weeks at a time at Emory. Um, and it just it, it just triggered down, you know, to, OK, now we're going to the hospital every week. OK, OK. So let's stop right there. 
we're going to take just a small break here for okay. sponsorship uh, segment. And then okay. we will come right back and, and continue the story. But we're going to talk a lot about, um, you know, this, this whole, how you really encourage throughout the pages of this book that you talk a little bit about, you know, what he went through, what you guys went through physically. Right. You mostly talk about encouraging others and how to walk through the loss of a loved one and, you know, what not to do. Okay, so we are back. Thank you so much for that brief uh, sponsor pause there. I appreciate it. And I'm sure the sponsors do too. And we're going to get back into your story, Gwinnett. So we were where you had noticed a year later uh, the drastic change in his health declining. At right. that point, did you know a lot about, Have you had you done any research or anything on heart disease, what um, you could do to maybe turn things around? What, what had you learned at that point about heart disease and what your husband was going through? Well, just like anyone else, once you, you know, one of your loved ones is experiencing any illness, you're going to go ahead and start researching as much as you can. Um, maybe herbs, all different types of things. Um, you seek out any type of resources that you possibly can to try and help. So yes, absolutely. I um, did. I, I, you know, searched out holistic things and all types of things. Um, I made sure his meals was, you know, as healthy as possible with less salt and less water drinking and all of those things. So yes, um, you, you know, I, I did all of it. Um, you know, as far as reaching out, trying to make sure I could find out anything possibly I could to preserve his life. Yes. So you had to make some lifestyle changes. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and to kind of make it, um, so it didn't seem like such a chore. I, you know, it was a health, it was a healthy thing for myself mm -hmm. as well, because, you know, with his, he, my husband was always eating out and doing all sorts of things like that. So it made me more self um, health conscious um, mm -hmm. to, you know, start cooking and preparing meals at home. So we, we, we was very creative. We would cook together. And so it brought about a change for my health as well. Okay. Yes. And, and that's a good thing. And because, and the reason why he was eating out more because he was away from home. Absolutely. Right. So he was eating right. out something quick on the way, that kind of thing. Right. Okay. So we want our listeners to understand that heart disease is, um, is a silent, what some say it's a silent killer. Right. But for your husband, he obviously had, um, once he was diagnosed, he had some years that, um, what, what was happening physically to him, um, during those years, once he was diagnosed, what was happening? Cause you mentioned that you went to the hospital and they said that his heart was enlarged. So as you were continuing to go to the hospital, what, what were the prognosis during that time? Um, mainly, um, you know, well, with heart disease, what it does is it, 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 um, it causes swelling of the legs and that is from, um, fluids building up. 
And what you don't want to happen with that is the fluid to build up and then it causes um, um, for your heart to go into congestive heart failure. So one of the things that I would notice when he was overloaded is what they call it, when he would become overloaded and that was too much sodium um, or water. Okay. So a person with heart disease cannot tolerate, depending on what stage they are in. When, mm-hmm. my, when, when we found out about his illness, he was already in stage um, C. And by that next year, he had reached stage D. He okay. was, uh, and and so what what happened was his water was not his, he he was not able to retain water in his body. And so what would happen? Um, his legs would swell, um, you know, and he was he was losing weight, and he wasn't a very high, um, a very um, um big guy. So mm-hmm. he was losing weight rapidly. Because, you know, you're not eating a whole lot because, you know, if you eat something with sodium, then it shows up, It sh- you know, and mm-hmm. then there was a lot of, you know, um, you know, it was it was it, it was a lot that showed up on the body. You know, it, it be it, I guess the reason I'm saying that it can be different for everyone. But with him, it was mainly weight loss and just like the swelling of the feet. Okay. Okay. And so you get through, you know, um, you talked about you talked to me a little bit about how um, when he would go and minister um, after he would minister um, what you had to deal with, not that it was a chore. And I, 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 um, I shouldn't say had to deal with because you were there, you were going to be there for him. But some of the things that your, your um, ministry did not see, the people that attended your church did not see after he tore the house down, you know, <laughs> right. in message. And right. then what were some things that you had to be um, privy, that you were privy to as far as his health and, and everything um, after he tore the house down? Yeah, um, Like when, like, say, for instance, if we just left the service, um, of course, you know, the anointing of God, when it's on you, you see something totally different. And the people saw something totally different than when I would get in the car and he's sick on his stomach where I got to pull beside the road and let him release, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is he ate or drink. Um, okay. I was, that's some of the things that I would experience or sometimes and he was, he did have a defibrillator. Um, so sometimes the things that they didn't see either was like his defibrillator going off where he's oh. pat, he would pass out. Um, and mainly that would happen. I think it happened one or two times out, maybe at the store, but mo- mostly and in, in praise God, it would happen at home mostly. So those are things that they didn't get to see. Okay. And these are things where you stepped in and you know, you had to be, you mentioned in the book where you had to just do what you had to do. And you guys just continued on that ministry. And you mentioned a couple of times in the book that ministry must go on. Absolutely. Um, that's one. That was one of my husband's uh, mottos is that ministry don't stop. And he would preach that to me and my household. And I'm sure you're familiar with mm-hmm. your, your parents being um, ministry is all that they hold on to. That's their life. It becomes their life. And um, so in spite of all what we were going through, because when I say we, because we were one, right. and all, what all we was going through, we had to remain faithful to God. Because one thing about it, Melissa, if we don't remain, if we allow people to see us shaken in our faith, then what they say is about the people, then they get shaken in their faith. So right. I think what we have to do is we have to show people that even though this illness is here, even though it's happening to me, 
I'm still not going to lose faith. I'm still not going to lose hope. And so the reason that's why we kept going in ministry and we kept thriving like we did, even though it would be days when we get back home and we was like, oh, God, you know, you know, it's getting it looks it's looking really bad now. What are you going to do when you're going to intervene? But we knew that we had to make sure that the people did not lose hope and they didn't lose faith. Right. So take me I'm going to read this quote that I really loved in your book. Um, page 52. Okay. And I want you just to elaborate on it. You say, you said, um, what I later realized is if Gwinnett was in her flesh, I would have chosen the IT guy and missed my date with my destiny that was to lead to my purpose. We all have an appointed time where God will use our life and experiences for his glory. But we have to get out of the way and get in his face to seek guidance on our every move. That is the IT guy. I'm sorry. That is where I said IT guy or the it guy. The it guy. The it. Yes, it's the, the it guy. guy. <laughs> IT guy. Okay, did she see it? IT guy. No, before? it was it, it was the it guy. <laughs> Okay, okay. And and we know what the it guy is. Yeah, that we're making lists for, right? What we want him to look like. Right. You um, what do you want? Yeah, all of that. All of that. Okay. Right. So that I would have chosen the it guy in quotes. It is in quotes, people. Guy, <laughs> it's my date with my destiny that was to lead to my purpose. Right, right. Um, yeah, I um that there is um that that oh my god, I think I stated before that you know I can remember going on dates to church. And so our idea of a guy, and I'm sure I can speak for the you know, women, we don't we don't look for guys that are gonna take us to church on dates. We don't we just that's just not something I don't think we look for. But um I um you know, I, I could have, I could have said, you know what, this is too much for me, but I gave it a chance because I, I, like I said before, I think it was something different. He was bringing something different to the table. So it, you know, and anytime we get something a little different, we're curious to know what is this all about? So that's what it was. And, and, and I saw something different in it and it, it, it boosts my curiosity. But, um, and, and, and when I said the part about, um, you know, miss my date with Destiny because mm -hmm. I've, I let me just say this. I'm gonna elaborate on this real quickly. Is that because Pastor Watson not only was my my lover, my husband, my father, my children, but he also was a good friend, and he was one of those that coached me along the way. I didn't come up, Melissa, in a faith based home. Okay, um, I didn't, and I to meet someone like him and I, I that's how I know we were destined to be together because had I kept on going on the path that I would have been on I probably wouldn't have ended up in the place or in, in you know fulfilling the purpose that God had for me but mm -hmm. it's kind of like he rescued me if mm -hmm. I may say he rescued me from going down a downward hill and so um I think that was my destiny. It was with him because any if it was been the it guy, I probably wouldn't have been who I am today. <laughs> <laughs> right. Okay. And so um, with that being said, as I say it several times throughout this book, you talk more about where you are now and what God has shown you throughout your journey. 
um, with losing the love of your life. Right. What God has, where he's brought you, what he's taught you through, during this time, what he had prepared you for. Um, once you were able, again, I'm going to read what you put in your book, a uh, conclusion paragraph, not the whole conclusion, but just mm-hmm. one really stuck out for me is so when you see me know that I am truly okay and in a great place with God accepting the outcome and loving myself I have adapted to the essence of living my best life because I want people to know you have way more to live for than what you lost so tell me tell me why you thought to put that in there for for individuals who read your book Um, I, you know, Melissa, I think, um, when we lose a spouse, we feel like that is the end of life because pretty much when you've been with someone for 20 something years and I was with him for 28 years and three children later, you Mm -hmm. know, he is pretty much, we, we look at it as he is our life, you know, or she is our life. Everything Mm -hmm. is revolved around them. And so to lose that, you, you're, you're like, okay, this is it. But I chose, as I stated before, I chose another way. I said, you know, I can choose to die or I can choose to live. And I chose to live. And I, I and I keep going back to say, if God purposed, if he chose me to live, then he must have another purpose for me that is not over. And so I took a shot at it. Okay, God, if it's not over for me, what is it you want? I think a lot of times we, li- we, we, we want to know, um, you know, we dwell on what is not than what it is and so I wanted to know what is it God that you want me to do okay you have my attention what is it what you want me to do now mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. so that that's pretty much where I was I was like okay you took my husband and you know I if we can be transparent and be real yeah <laughs> I'm like okay you done took my husband now what do you want <laughs> you know and pretty much yeah. you know I I mean I felt like I, I, yes, I did feel like leaving here because I felt like I didn't have anything else. But then when I came to realization that it's got to be a purpose why he, he kept me here and he allowed me to um, still be here. So, okay, God, what is that purpose? What do you want? And so when I realized that it had to be something else, my destiny was somewhere else. And I was like, okay, well, let me take hold of this and let's see where it's going to go. And when I did, and I don't hope I'm not jumping in too quick over what oh. you're going to ask me, but no. that's when the pastoral came about. Um, okay. I felt like God was like, okay, this is where I want you. And you was you wouldn't have gotten here because re- let's go all the way back to that little that little um shy girl mm-hmm. wouldn't have never done that. But mm-hmm. he said, It's sad I had to take Anthony away <laughs> to get you here. Right. So and that's how I looked at it. Like, okay, you cho- you chose to take my husband. So what you want me to do? <laughs> right. <laughs> so now that walks you into the lead pastor role yes. of, of the church. And so yes. Her members, I'm sure, have been very um, supportive. Yes. You have a great ministry over there. You want to tell us about your ministry and what your your biblical philosophy is or maybe what your um, life scripture is or what do you want to want the listeners to know about Pastor Gwen, Gwinnett? Well, we, we're, we're, lo- we're located um, on... Um, 330 North 16th Street um, in Griffin, 
And I, I always tell the people it's behind the easy shop. <laughs> okay. mm-hmm. it's, it's behind the easy shop. Um, I don't know if I could probably go into, but I'm just going to give a little part of my um, church motto. And this is something that we, we sure. always live by. And it was to tear down the walls of traditional building up on biblical truth. Um, that meaning that, you know, we ain't trying to say, you know, it, it, the old way is out and it's over with. But we want to tear down some of those those old ways of thinking. This is a new day, and we just believe and we stand on the truth, and okay. that's pretty much what our motto is. Okay, awesome. And if you had one thing to encourage the listeners, what would that one thing be? I would encourage them to keep doing what God has um, purposed them to do in this life. And even though we might, you may go through whatever it is that you have went through, but just know one thing that God is in it with you and he's going to bring you out every time. Mm-hmm. I love it. I Amen. Love it. Yes. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Gwinnett. We will continue to talk, um, but thank you so much for joining us on Tea Time with Melissa. And um, you guys, you go out there, you can listen to Tea Time with Melissa on any, um, pretty much any podcast platform, Apple, Google, um, Anchor, Anchor, definitely Anchor. Um, and this, this Tea Time will also be on my social media platforms as well, Living Whole with Tea Time with Melissa. Thank you so much, Gwinnett. I love you. You are awesome. Well, thank you. And I appreciate you for having me. Absolutely. And we will talk soon. Thank you. And you all have a great evening. All right. You too. Bye-bye.